what we haven't talked about here is what do the monolines do? I mean, these are our bread and butter. These are our friends. They, they support our business and we've been around for a long time. So what are they going to do? Because that's additional competition for them. Well, I think there's two things. One, you know, you'd say, well, they could do automated underwriting or they could do this, but we all know like basically all of the major banks control all of the mortgage businesses done in this country because they either have it through their retail channel, their sales force, or they're the ones that are funding all the monolines. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so what is a monoline to do? Well, I I was like, oh man, I don't know. And then I just heard it the other day where it's on our podcast. It's like foreign investment. That's actually a real thing. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Welcome to the Mortgage Brokering Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Peckford. Today, I am speaking with Greg Williamson. Greg is the founder of Finmo, which was sold to Lendesk, which was sold to Rocket Mortgage. Greg is a longtime mortgage broker. He was actually my very first ever mortgage coach that I hired many, many, many moons ago. But more recently, Greg is focused on fintech and solving brokers' problems. So we talk about auto adjudication, how that's going to affect mortgage brokers. We talk about some banks coming back to the channel and then how foreign investment can actually help onlines be more competitive. This is something I haven't heard before. Greg has conversations with people that I don't, and I always find it interesting on the things that I can pick up. So before we jump into that, I got to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Thank you, Finmo, for letting us to continue to create these shows. If you're looking for a really easy application to use for the borrower, go check out lendesk.com slash Finmo. As the borrower is filling out the application, it's got smart docs. It knows exactly what documents to ask for. It makes it really easy. I was talking to one of my brokers recently and he had an email come to him. Client said, hey, I want to do a mortgage with you. I heard you're great. Here's a whole bunch of my documents in an email, which you think that's great, but he's like, dang, I don't want to sort all these documents. He said, hey, the first step is to actually do the application, send him the application link. Guy goes in, fills up the application, uploads all the docs to the correct spot in Finmo so that you know exactly what they are. Way simpler. He's like, oh my gosh, this is just so much easier than actually trying to sort through email of piles and piles of PDFs. It's just one of the cool things that Finmo does. It's also got smart submission notes. So as you're going to hit submit, it actually pulls data from the application, key data, because what the lender sees on their screen is not what you see. And in some cases it's confusing and so make it easy for them. And finally, it's connected to the lender spotlight. So you can search all the rates and guidelines. You can check them out at lendesk.com slash Finmo. Check out this conversation I have with Greg. I think you're going to find a good one. Also, I'm talking to Paul Campbell from Magenta about finding a niche market. And uh, I think that's something that's going to be very important in the coming months, especially as the market is starting to shift. Have a listen to this episode. Hey, Greg, welcome back to the show. Hey, Scott. Really glad to be back. It seems like I just saw you last week. Oh, wait a second. I did. You did. Yes, we had broker talks together. People can't see you because we only do the audio, but you're looking very dapper today. You've got like the turtleneck on. You're looking like a proper tech founder to me. This is what I see. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I'm, you know, that's twice that somebody said that to me. Maybe I got to start dressing a little bit more like an adult than like some yeah, like, I know. My wife says I look homeless half the time. She's like, why do you got to look homeless? Yeah. I'm like, I'm not homeless. I'm- my wife says to me, are you thinking about skateboarding to work or something? Like, what are you really trying to do here? And I'm like, oh, you know. So, yeah. so I got a quick, so I've got this property. I'm working out of my shed now, right? So turn the shed into an yeah. office and just like 20 feet out my door, I got all this firewood dropped off and these huge I know. logs. I saw it online. It. I've been cutting it with my chainsaw and run out of gas. And so I've been splitting it on my lunch break. I go out and I chop wood for 20 yeah. minutes. And I just, I'm in heaven. It's so much fun. And uh, so I told my wife, I'm getting a set of overalls that I can put on. So, cause I'm going to wreck my homeless clothes. So I got to put on a set of overalls when I go out and chop wood. 
So there's a book, um, uh, there's a really good book. I think it's, a, it's called Chop Wood, Carry Water. There you go. You're ready. Yeah, which is just do that work. Do the same thing. Like in your mortgage business, yeah. make the calls, you know, follow up with your clients. Okay, but let's talk about Broker Talks. So at Broker Talks, we had you come and share some of the trends that you see affecting mortgage brokers and not to like freak yeah. people out, but the idea is, hey, look, you got to be paying attention to this. And then more importantly, like, how do you get ahead of these things? So there was a couple of ones. The first one that I'm very interested in hearing your thoughts on is automated underwriting or using AI. So why don't you tell me sort of, and because you're in a different world than me, you have different conversations with people at like, you know, banks and different financial institutions and what they're doing. I'd be interested to know what you're seeing on that front. Yeah, sure. I mean, listen, you're right. In the job that I do now at Lendesk, I do a lot of conversations with financial institutions, you know, people who are using Finmo for their own businesses. And so we get a really good sense. In fact, with one particular lender, we're actually building it with them, you know, automated underwriting or auto adjudication. And it's a really interesting topic. And sometimes brokers go, oh, no, what is that going to mean to me? Well, there's a few things that I think is true from my experience. And I know you and I chatted about this and that. As a broker, generally speaking, I get a little bit nervous about when my borrower comes in and they're a customer of a bank, particularly if it's a bank that I don't have access to, but even the banks I do have access to, I'm a little bit nervous because I think it's possible that they might go back to their bank. Sure, of course, but here's where the rub is. In the last little while, most brokers I talk to have, you know, admit it that it's generally way more hassle for the borrower today in the mortgage broker channel to get a mortgage, generally speaking, particularly a AAA client, than it might be if they went back to their bank. So it used to be one time- I'd say that's almost always the case. I think that I can't imagine a scenario where it's just, yeah, Right. So what do I win on? I win on my advice. I win on my ability to be engaging and attractive. And people are like, I really like this person. You know, I win on being able to provide, you know, promise of additional service or ongoing service. Sure. Okay. Or I win because of all of that. And the client is too lazy to go back and check with their bank. I don't know. But as we go along, I believe that it's starting to switch to a point where the banks are getting so good at this and they're going to get better. I mean, for a long time, they just weren't that good, but now they are like, you know, there's a couple of banks that are well over half of the deals they do today are auto adjudicated, which really means we should get the definitions out, which means that a computer has said you're approved and issued a commitment. Now that means the human's still going to look at some of the documents, but there's one bank in particular who's now got it down to the stats they quoted me was 98% of their documents are OCR read. Um, Explain what that is now, OCR optical character recognition, which just means a machine has read the document and said, hey, this T4 says this number. Right, kind of like how they scan your check and go, oh, your check is- <laughs> Kind of like that, that but it works. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it actually works, yeah. So now, does that mean a human is completely out of the business? No, I just say right now, right here, it'll never happen. Like, just let's get the definitions right. It's not like we're trying to get rid of the humans out of the process. What we're doing is saying is if I can remove the stuff that's friction and the stuff that's a pain, Give me another example. This is where we're, you know, talk specifically about what we were just chatting about. If I'm a customer of a particular bank, I've actually talked to a few brokers who've said, myself included, who've actually done their own mortgages sometimes with their own banks or renewal with their own bank because it's one button, it's done and it's over. Even though I could broker my own deal, 
So I get a ridiculous rate offer and I don't have to do anything. So what is that saying about how good and why is that happening? Well, just think about how much information the bank has on me as a customer. So it's easy for them to not have to do employment verification or job letters or pay stubs. I have four years of payroll deposits in the bank account. Good enough for me. You know, I know where your assets are. Good enough for me. What's left? Give me the offer to purchase in the MLS and the deal's done. Right. If and they have finance, credit, and also cases, if you have credit yeah. facilities, they can look at those. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I can pull the credit bureau and, or I can see the payment history of my own client. If it's my own customer, this is a really interesting phenomenon. If it's my own customer and I'm a bank, I'm really good at it. I'm really, really good at it. And so what does that mean? You know, for the broker channel, I think it means, you know, oh, should I be scared? No, I don't think so. What it means though, is that we should probably join them. We should probably figure out ways to get auto adjudication, you know, and speed that up, catch up. It's things that we're doing at Lendesk or we're considering or looking at. I think it also means that we should be benefiting from more banks entering the broker channel. And, you know, there's certainly lots of wild rumors out there and most of them are probably true. If you've heard it enough times, it's probably true. And that's going to be good because now, Will the banks actually allow mortgage broker deals to go through their auto decisioning models? Not initially, but I think Probably they will. Not. Yeah, maybe over time they will. Over time they will. Or you know what else? If they have a company that they've done business with for a year and the book is clean and the book is great, they'll do it because they benefit too. That's the right. key. They save money. They don't have to pay the bodies to like, you know, exactly. underwriters are expensive. I know I got a bunch of them working for me. So, yeah, you know, good so ones they, are expensive. Yeah, exactly. And so it's a benefit. And so if I'm a mortgage broker, what do I take out of that point? I think probably start getting used to the idea that I might send, or at least I might have an option. I mean, certainly all mortgage brokers give multiple options to their clients, right? They don't just give them one option, but okay, let's say that that's true. The option should be that I can take you back to your own bank because pretty soon that's going to be a reality for almost all of the banks that are currently in the channel, in the banks that will be coming into the channel. I think it's going to be a reality soon enough. And so I should probably at least make sure I can do it because I know that I'm going to be able to get those customers approved quicker and easier. And that's, I think, a good thing. And I think the other point that what do I learn from this is it's the old thing. I mean, I just had a lender myself on our podcast yesterday and it was talking about the classic stuff. I mean, just stop it. If you're going to be the broker who just doesn't know your behaviors, and that's like knowing your product mix, knowing your policies. I mean, if you use Finmo, we pull in all the policies from Lender Spotlight anyway, so it's foolproof. You can check. Just be a good partner because mm -hmm. I know that we've been saying this for what, Scott, 10, 15 years. You know, do right by your lender. It's going to become even more important. Right. And they're watching, I, they're yeah, watching you. For sure. I mean, platforms like us, you know, we're bringing some banks into the channel and one of the benefits we do is like we can tell them, bank, who are the brokers that are going to be the best options for you, particularly as you tiptoe into the space. Right. As uh, you want to test the waters, you want to like, yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So first, auto adjudication is going to be big. And I think that you're right. As a broker, we should embrace it. And I've said this before, but the reason banks and more banks coming to the channel, I think you said this, was that we've done a good job of taking market share over the last couple of years. And they're like, oh, hold on here. We need to get back into this channel. These guys are getting dang good at this. So hat tip to mortgage brokers out there. But the reality is, is that if this problem was just a money problem, if they could write a check and get the business, they had the money. They had more money than God. They could. Guess you know, who's becoming, 
Yeah, they, they just can't get become... into every nook and cranny of every community that a mortgage broker can get into to build those relationships. And this is where our value comes from, is that they can be like Scotiabank, they can spend all kinds of money putting their name on all these things. And at the end of the day, they still pay a mortgage broker who knows the person in the small town to send them the mortgage because that person in the small town doesn't really yep. care that Scotiabank I mean, puts their name on a building. Exactly. Imagine how much money they spend. So like, why would these banks come back into the mortgage channel? Because mortgage brokers beat them, you know, particularly in the pandemic. You know, mm -hmm. mortgage workers were just way better. <laughs> I mean, and so we grabbed a ton of market share because, I mean, look, let's be honest, the mortgage broker channel is one of, if not the most expensive channel for a bank to get business from. But if they're not there, they're going to get their own customers taken away from them and or they're just going to miss out. Like they're just like you said, even with those banks, pretty sure all of them, the majors have a mobile sales force and mortgage workers are still beating them. So. Yeah. You know, so that's a good thing. Keep that up, you know. Keep, yeah, keep uh, doing what you're doing, guys and girls. Like, you know, I totally agree with that. But as a mortgage broker, too, I think that skills you need to develop are going to be the sales and marketing skills and the communication skills. That's not going away. Like, you may use no. different technology. You may have different lending partners. If you have those skills, there's always going to be opportunity for you. But I predict in, you know, five, ten, there's going to be less underwriters, less people on the back end, because more and more of that will be done with you know software there's still going to be stuff that won't fit but on the front end that's where there's still tons of opportunity yeah i mean look it obviously it's always sounds when i'm on here i guess it's by virtue of the work i do but i mean it sounds a bit self-serving when i say i can't believe i'm still having this conversation in 2022 almost three that like as a mortgage professional broker i need to get onto some type of technology platform because it's just where it's going so sure of course we'd love you to come on finmo but go on to any of them i don't care but you got to move into that world because that's where all the innovation is going. And it's starting to come rapidly. Yeah. Um, and the other part about choosing a platform is, is like, are they, you know, skate to where the puck is? Are they moving to where the industry's going or like, anyway, so that's a whole other thing. So banks from back to the channels, is there anything else that you're noticing trend wise that you think is going to impact the average broker or anything in your conversations and meetings that you're having? Yeah. I just had a conversation recently, which I found really interesting that, you know, what we haven't talked about here is what do the monolines do? I mean, these are our bread and butter. These are our friends. They support our business and we've been around for a long time. So what are they going to do? Because that's additional competition for them. Well, I think there's two things. One, you know, you'd say, well, they could do automated underwriting or they could do this. But we all know, like, basically all of the major banks control all of the mortgage businesses done in this country because they either have it through their retail channel, their sales force, or they're the ones that are funding all the monolines. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so what is a monoline to do? Well, I I was like, oh man, I don't know. And then I just heard it the other day where it's on our podcast. It's like foreign investment. That's actually a real thing. It's actually like- What do you mean by foreign investment? Tell so me Canada is overall, like historically, is a ridiculously safe place to put in real estate assets. You know, I'm a municipal fund from some small village in Norway. You know, where do I put my money? Turns right. out- Canadian real estate, Canadian mortgage business. And backed by Canadian mortgage, like you know, where they mortgage right. back securities. Even now you've got not only real estate backing, but you've got the insurer and ultimately the government backstopping that. Yeah. Um, so what I'm learning is globally, there's a lot of interest. Where am I going to park my money, especially in these weird, uncertain times? So as the monolines, and I'm sure they're on it. I'm sure every, all of them are doing it. Oh, yeah. They're looking for money. Yeah. Because here's the deal. It's not just about looking for money. If I can get money from, you know, the sovereign Norway community fund, <laughs> I just made that up, by the way, 
But if I get money from there, I don't have to follow all of the OSFI rules because I'm no longer getting money from a federally regulated institution. And I'm not a federally regulated institution. So now I can get innovative with my products. Ooh, that's really interesting. I didn't realize yeah. that. So even though, but wouldn't B20 still apply to the monoline if their money was, so if they're not a bank. Yeah, what I'm learning is the only reason why it applies to the monolines is because the money that where the money comes from the investor. Because the person who's giving them the money, insert bank here, they have to follow the rules. Right. And so essentially what oh, happens- that's a huge opportunity for, if you can yeah. find the right, like I'm going to yeah. Saudi Arabia this weekend, actually, I'm going to go find some, uh, <laughs> hey, you want to fund some uh, monolines? Like seriously, yeah, that's where you, yeah. let's go. Let's go on a trip together. You and I have this on sales, it'd be great. But I mean, that's a great opportunity. I think that, you know, look for, hopefully that bears some fruit over time because I think that that's going to be important for monolines to diversify and to find some ways to compete. And the second thing that monolines can do, if they had that, they could start to work in their general underwriting guidelines. They could work in some auto adjudication things that we're doing. Like at Lendesk, we're looking at this and say, how can we put it into Finmo and then you know provide that service to lenders who can't get that on their own? Like they don't have the technology, right. they don't have the resources to build that. You know, and that's stuff that we think about. I mean, we're still a few years away from that, but I mean, it's better than not doing it at all because right. the banks are already doing it. So I got to compete. Now, one thing I was just thinking about though, is if you're going to sell those mortgages, you know, as mortgage-backed securities, then you're still going to have to follow those guidelines in order to get that. Yeah, but you wouldn't because you would just take the money, you build a fund from, you know, China, from Japan, Africa, wherever there's money, right, like you right. just build a fund and, you know, you pay your returns. If you're not, fund. if you I guess if you don't fund them that way, if you don't, uh, no. Yeah, even insured policy. business, even insured business, because the monolines are insured lenders of CMHC. So follow their rules. Okay, fine. Sure, of course. Everybody's got to follow right. the insured rules. But I may not have to follow all of the B20 rules if I get foreign investment. Interesting. Right. That's very interesting. I have Except, I mean, we've heard where credit unions do that, right? Because credit unions aren't federally regulated like that. So that's why we've seen some credit unions being able to pull that off. But Credit unions struggle with their efficiencies of being able to handle a large flow of business at once. Whereas right, a lot of our monolines have figured that out. Right. Oh, and I was going to say, so you know how back in the day, Elvis obviously is a huge brand and made money on all kinds of products and stuff. They also sold I hate Elvis badges. And so whether you loved him or hated him, he still made money. He didn't care. Right. And so in a way, the banks are doing the same thing. The banks are like, hey, don't use those mortgage brokers. Those guys are sketchy. In the meantime, they're, hey, fund those mortgages over there. We'll make money on that, too. So it's like, I hate Elvis. It's like they make money. Doesn't make it. it. Yeah. Sure. They make more money on a direct mortgage, but they're making money either way because they're funding these monolines for the most part are getting their funds from large, you know, Canadian institutions. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So I think I'm hoping that that's a trend that would continue. For sure. You should get a I hate Elvis badge with every monoline mortgage or I hate banks. It's like, yeah, sure, whatever, dude. You're still making money from the bank. Yeah. All right. That's interesting. I wasn't unaware of that. So any other sort of trends or stuff that you're noticing that you think people should be paying attention to? Yeah. I think we're getting close to terminal rate. So meaning that, okay, whew, we might have rated the top. It's probably likely, look, Benjamin Tall said at the NBC conference, like Bank of Canada is probably going to overshoot. Fed just went up again yesterday. So if that's true. I mean, a lot of the really experienced brokers that I've been talking to, in fact, I got an email today about it, asking me to blow some dust off some of my old tools. Where I'm going with this is like, we're in a place where we haven't been in a long time. And so there is, I think, a trend. So how do we sell in a declining interest rate environment? Because 
you know, we've got all kinds of tools, all kinds of strategies when we're selling into a rising in rate environment. But like, well, how long has it been? I don't know. You tell me. I mean, you've been around as long as me almost. So it's like, when have we had a rapidly declining interest rate environment? It's been a long time. Well, I think like 2009. Well, 2008, 2009 went up and then it came back down again once. I can't remember what happened, but it was like- But it never oh, got to this up. level, did it? No. Well, Prime was at 6%, I recall. Okay. And then it went, you know, but I don't remember fixed rates. I took a fixed rate at 5 I still remember this, 5.57%. Because I was like, oh my gosh. And then rates turned and I just watched them drop. And I was like, damn it. And then I broke that mortgage and paid a you know, yeah. good penny on it. Back in the old, old, olden days, I created this strategy, which I think a lot of mortgage brokers have used over the years that I think it's called the inflation hedge mortgage strategy. And it was, it didn't matter if it was in a rising interest rate environment. Well, here's the pitch and here's how you, here's how you frame it. If it's in a declining interest rate environment, well, here's the pitch and here's how you frame it. That's another trend. Bring back some of these old ideas. And well, I don't want to say old, that makes it sound bad, but you know, just some classics, like yeah, yeah. Know, it's like you know, Air Jordans are back. The same rock, with a lot yeah. of the mortgage strategies. Yeah, see, it's one thing to say. I think it's because there's going to be a little bit less business. You know, refi business that could start to come back in a declining rate environment. But Benjamin Tall said that it's going to be sticky. I mean, we could be another year from today before we start actually seeing rates drop, and then you know going into that. But that doesn't matter if I'm selling it in 2023. And I can make a big enough case that I think after 23, rates are going to start to fall. Yeah. How might I present that to a borrower? And just telling them, by the way, I don't know how many times I've said this over the years, like pictures worth a thousand words, like stop, like just info dumping and just ear beating customers into, Hey, let me tell you how this is going to work. It's going to be so amazing. What happens if you know rates start falling, you're going to save a bunch of money. Why not just build them a tool that's really cool and looks great and you can send them a loom video or sit with them and like spend 10 minutes, like, you know, building yeah. something that's actually going to be useful because then I can actually show the customer that I researched this. I've thought about it. I remember back in those days, I used to go find my top three or four really good articles and just reuse them, reuse them, reuse them, reuse them. Here's what this guy said. Hey, interest rates are going to fall next year. Okay, good. As long as I can get you to believe that interest rates are going to fall, Okay, now I'm going to show you my strategy. You know, my case right. would be a hedge. So it's like, let me show you how this is going to work. You know, sure, you could take a five-year fix at 544, you know, today. And I know lots of people are saying, well, let's take a variable. I'm just saying, add that extra little touch of yeah. actually showing them something, actually teaching them something. It's going to be important because there's less business going around. I better make sure I get the deals that I have the good yeah. fortune of being in front of. I better close them. Yeah, 100% I agree. That's really interesting. So, man, it's always fun chatting with you, Greg. So if anybody's listening to this, go check out Lendesk. You guys created an amazing tool with Finmo and Lendesk and Lender Spotlight all tied together. And we use it at our brokerage because it's just easy, honestly. Like, it's easy for agency to use, easy for borrowers. And, you know, obviously, I think it's important that you as a broker get to choose the tech you want to use. So choose a tech that makes sense. And if it's not Finmo, cool. But I know we've had great success with it. So thanks for putting that together. And I'll get you back here again. And you tell me what else you're finding out there in terms of like the trends and stuff. And maybe we'll do a show at some point on marketing because we both love marketing. You know, we were talking about this on the broker talks and we're like, oh yeah, and we're cut from the same cloth. And so that could be a fun episode to do at some point. All right, you got it. Thanks brother. Yeah, thank you. Hey, thanks again for listening to that conversation with Greg. Hopefully you got some ideas on there. Auto adjudication, I think that's coming. I think you're going to see enhanced underwriting, enhanced fulfillment, and that's going to make brokers allow to focus more on sales and solutions and less on 
processing paper, which I don't think is really good use of most mortgage brokers' time. In this next segment, I talked to Paul Campbell from Agenta about finding a niche market. Hey, Paul, welcome back to the show. Hey, Scott, great to be back, man. So, hey, it's great that you guys are back in, you know, in action flat out. And I know that you're doing some things that are unique to the marketplace. And so I'd like to jump into that. Some of the stuff that you guys are finding that has been a great niche for you. So why don't we chat about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, entering back into the market, we definitely took a look at how we were doing things prior to the slowdown for us. And we did make some modifications along with some of our colleagues in that space. They made some modifications as well. And it was only right that we make some modifications that were going to be beneficial just based on the market that we're currently in. So one thing we're really proud of is that we're still able to offer our full product suite. And that hasn't changed. What has changed are modifications within the suite. So the first thing I wanted to touch on is our NoDoc program. Our NoDoc program by far has been our most popular product. And you can couple it with rentals, hold codes, you name it. It's one of those products you can combine it in so many different ways that, you know, I'd say just off the top of my head, we've been able to find multiple solutions for Canadians with that product alone. But given the space that we're in and given the times that we are living in, we did have to adjust to the market and we were offering the no-doc at 80% LTV and we've had a slight reduction in the loan-to-value now. We're still offering the product, but it's at 75% LTV. That's not a big and, difference. Okay, can you think of an example of somebody that you guys have funded that was a good fit for this kind of program? Just so that yeah. I always like to kind of paint the picture because a product that a person is kind of like sometimes hard to connect the dots. So if you would No, mind, absolutely. Awesome. So I mean, for us, it's usually about make sense, right? We like make sense deals. And a deal that we have recently funded was a investor. So had multiple rental properties. We don't have a limit to how many rentals an individual may have. And they approached us looking to do a purchase of a student rental. And, you know, we love student rentals. That's another product that is near and dear to us. But in this particular case, this individual, you know, they did have a lot of documentation. It was becoming a laborious project for them just to kind of go through the whole purchase of the property. And that's where the no doc came in. Down payment was more than sufficient, 25% from their own resources. And, you know, because it's a student rental, it just became something really easy to do on paper. He was extremely happy with the ability to purchase the property and no income verification was required just based on the strength of his portfolio. It was something that was real easy peasy. And I mean, you know, for those who don't know, we cap our fees into the mortgage. So again, the client just thought that was one extra step where the ease of dealing with Magenta just kind of came to the forefront. So 75% on a no-doc student rental. Correct. Yeah, that's pretty great. Okay, so basically the no-doc program still exists. So tell me about the other programs that you have or products, and then maybe we'll just dive into each of those too. Well, we also still offer rentals, as you may be aware, and we offer hold codes. So if you want to put the property into the company name, we allow for that. New to Canada, which was something that they did touch on at the most recent mortgage conference, what the expectation was and what the anticipation is of having immigrants for the next however many years joining us in Canada. Hopefully forever, so, like because we actually oh, need immigration big time. Otherwise, oh, you know, absolutely. my kids absolutely. don't even want to have kids, the selfish little buggers. They're like, I don't want to have kids. I'm like, <laughs> They're still young, but I'm like, uh, but whatever. I think it's good for the economy. We need to constantly be growing and we're 
immigration is the only way we're going to do that. They're saying 400,000 a year, I think is what Benjamin Hall was saying, is that they're intending to bring in at least 400,000 new Canadians a year, which is awesome. So Yeah, yeah. That, that's and the it, benchmark yeah. that they had set. And I mean, that in and of itself tells us that a product such as new to Canada is vital. It's needed, it's warranted. And I mean, there is ease around using that product with Magenta only because we simplify it, right? We simplify it. We're looking for a decent down payment. And what is again, the loan to value on that? We can go up to 75 on that product. We can go up to okay. 75. Obviously, the more that you put down, the easier it becomes. But our sweet spot is probably 65. But if it's a really strong deal, we can look at 75. And, you know, again, the no doc product does rear its head because it's the most simple way to get a deal like that done, especially when you're dealing with, you know, funds coming from different places. It's just a simpler way to kind of move forward with a file like that. So I urge you to contact me directly and let's have the conversation. If you do have a lot of new to Canada within your portfolio, that's definitely something that we could discuss. And sorry, on the rental, what was the loan to value that you would do on a rental? Like a rental and a hold co and stuff? Is it 75? 75%. 75% is our sweet spot for a lot of the products. Now, we understand that there is a need to kind of go beyond that, the 75, the 80, and even up to 85. You allow seconds behind you? We do allow seconds. Absolutely. Okay. That was just kind of like, okay, if there's somebody could put a set, they potentially could have a second behind your one of your guys' firsts if necessary. Yeah. There's um, that option. We also offer seconds as well. So it's one of those things now where for us, how do we in this market create even more solutions for Canadians? And it, the market has gotten a little bit more, I won't say difficult, I'd say challenging. And, you know, for us, it's staying steadfast with, you know, our lending policies and guidelines, they seem to have been working for us fairly well thus far. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But mm -hmm. I mean, you know, in relation to what we need to be successful and to continue to help Canadians, we have to stay on that path. And that's why our 85% loan to value product is something that we didn't really want to remove off the table. We know that there's a niche for it and we know that it does provide a lot of solutions for a lot of Canadians. So we did have to modify it. We did modify right. it. Well, so, I, I don't uh, think anybody is going to be like, what, how could you? It's like, yeah, well, look, the market has changed. And so the fact that you've been able to still offer the same products just with some adjustments, yeah. is, you know, that's life. Everybody's had to make some adjustments. So on the new to Canada, can you give me an example of somebody that you help? You know, I'm not asking for a name, SIN number, you know, <laughs> but just give me an example of some new to Canada type client that you saw. Just so again, so that what I find is that it'll help stick in brokers' heads when they see that. They'll be like, oh, right, maybe Magenta would be a fit for this, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. We've helped new to Canada. So, you know, they've been here for some time. They're looking to purchase now in Canada. They have a lump sum of cash that they're able to put down as a down payment. And I mean, I just connect with the credit team because there's constant dialogue between them and myself, making sure that the information I'm providing is accurate. And much like what you and I are doing, we just have a conversation about the scenario. And in this particular case, it was an individual who, as I mentioned, you know, they'd been living here, they had done some time in Canada and was looking to kind of really move forward with that dream of home ownership. And as mentioned, they did have money that was kind of like saved and stashed away and they were ready. And mm -hmm. once I had a chance to connect with the credit team, it was really easy. They had a significant amount put away and in terms of their employment, they had multiple jobs. 
they had multiple jobs and some of it was mm -hmm. hourly some of it was they had a salary they had a part-time it was a lot of different income to kind of mesh together and that's where the no doc just kind of simplified things because we knew we had the paperwork to confirm the income but piecing it all together just made it you know a little bit more of a robust file so the no doc product just made it a lot simpler for them and especially with them being you know new to canada and wanting to experience you know home ownership the dream of home ownership it just made things so much easier and everybody was happy just out of curiosity so if somebody into the new to canada program and they got 35 percent down how long does the money have to be in a canadian bank how does that work for us it's really case by case i mean obviously traditionally we'd love to see 90 days but yeah. you know we can definitely have a conversation around you know various situations we're fairly flexible we're fairly easy to pivot on very specific things as long as it makes sense so but okay. i mean the standard obviously is 90 days Okay. Just curious how that worked. All right. So you got the no doc program, the rental program, the new to Canada. Is there anything else that you are still finding, you know, brokers are finding useful? The 85%, it's probably right there with the no doc in terms of just being something that's fairly easy to advise clients on. Off the air, you and I, we were talking about being able to cap fees. And so what we're finding is when brokers need to sell this product to their clients, because remember, we're a short-term solution-based lender. Mm -hmm. The conversation usually revolves around, okay, you're looking at 15% down. There is a fee that comes with this product. And within that fee, yes, we do pay our broker partners to ensure that they are taken care of and rewarded for their efforts in terms of sending us business. But also we treat the fee much like a insurance fee. And that fee is then capped into the mortgage which again, when having that conversation with the client, it then becomes, mm -hmm. okay, well, you're going to be paying that fee regardless. If you're not paying it with Magenta, you're going to be paying it with whichever lender you go to. Yeah. You know, whoever you're giving 15% to, there is a fee. So we've found just based on having that explanation and just having the ability to show the reasoning behind why that fee is applicable, clients are extremely happy with it. You know, they're not paying out of pocket. And again, it allows Canadians to experience the dream of home ownership. And that's at the end of the day, what we all want. You know, what's interesting is that in the US, when they have mortgage insurance in Canada, they collect all the money upfront and add it to your mortgage. So if you pay out your mortgage in two years, let's say you buy a house with 5% down, two years later, you win the lottery, you pay off the house, you gotta pay back the entire insurance premium on that entire mortgage. Mm -hmm. and you don't get your money back. In the US, it's paid monthly. So really? if your loan to value gets to 80%, you can actually basically refinance and remove that insurance premium, that insurance fee. So isn't that interesting? That is very I, flexible. I, yeah, I feel like that's fair. I feel like CMHC and the, no offense to these guys, but for the last decade, they've been printing money, stocking up cash. And what has the default rate been like? Probably like ridiculously low, like ridiculous. Less, less than 1%. To, yeah, so the, they have all this cash, but in any case, it is what it is. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it or frame it when you're talking to a client is, is that, hey, look, if you were to purchase with CMHC, you'd be paying a fee anyway. So this is really no different. Yeah. The one thing important yeah. to note with this product though, is that it is a full doc product now. So right. whereas we might've been looking at stated or low doc or even no doc, it is a product just based on the market that we're in, where we are most comfortable looking at a full doc on this. Right. That makes sense. Okay. So what's the kind of the final word on this? So it sounds like you guys have been able to pivot and adjust to the current market, but tell me what's mm -hmm. kind of the, your final thoughts on what you're seeing. Final thoughts. I mean, honestly, it's exciting to be back. We've seen a significant uptick in deal flow over the last couple of weeks. 
which lets us know that the messaging is out there, that Magenta is back, and that we're excited to connect with all of our broker partners and start doing deals again. And I think as we head into uh, Q4, I think we're going to see things start to kind of pick up. I know that some feel like it may be doom and gloom, but this is typically the time of year when, you know, clients are thinking about refis. They've got some of that Christmas debt that they're mm-hmm. about to incur or holiday debt and heading into, you know, November, December, the thoughts are there. And then, you know, that's when we start seeing a lot of the campaigns into the new year and February where, you know, brokers are starting to reach out to their database and having those conversations with their clients around, you know, here's what we can do for you. So we're excited. You know, I think we're positioned in a really great way and sky's the limit for us. I'm really looking forward to the next couple of months. Yeah, I totally, I think it's awesome. And so if you're listening to this, go to magentainvestment.ca. You can connect with you guys and your team and talk about any of these products. The, you know, no doc, 85% loan to value. It's got to be underwritten rentals, hold goes and new to Canada. So yeah, check them out. Paul, it's always great to chat with you, man. When you say Magenta's back, I keep thinking, I remember that Eminem song, Guess Who's Back? But I, if I could rap, I'd be like, I would totally rap this if I could rap, I can't. Anyway, good chat oh, with man. you, Always good talk to you, Scott. Take care and we'll talk soon. All right, hopefully you found some gold in these two conversations with Paul and Greg. I know I always am inspired after these conversations. If you're listening to this, you can go check out lendescom slash Finbo. You can also go to islandmortgagebrokering.com, set up a free power search account, and you can literally keyword search all of our past episodes. And you can type in the word like purple pig. Actually, if you do, you're gonna find this episode. It'll take you right to where that was said. And then you can even see the text as it's all transcribed as well. So if there's scripting and language that you want to copy, that's how you can do it. Totally free. Check it out at islandmortgagebrokering.com. Thank you again for listening to this episode. And I will see you on the next show. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.